Hi, Anya. How are you doing? Hi, Tansy. I'm good. I'm enjoying the new year so far. Good. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, me too. We got some snow this week, which was really nice. It felt quite wintry and just, um, mm. yeah, like a nice little reset to the year because it's been, yeah, a little bit rainy and a little bit gray and then warm and then cold and it's been all over the place. So then having this really cold spell felt like, okay, we've got a bit of a winter. So it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, we got a little dusting this morning. It was really beautiful. Um, just a little bit to make things white, green and white. So it was lovely. Loves a lovely start to the new year. Yeah, um, lovely. And we've both been looking at um, another snowy place uh, called Davos. So if people have been um, following the news at the moment, it would be quite difficult to miss out on what's happening in Davos at the moment in Switzerland. It's in this mountain town where there's these beautiful mm. snowy mountains. Um, and I'm watching everyone congregate there. So this is like the place where the World Economic Forum hosts this annual meeting of big world leaders, um, big financial institutions, like the, the heads of and the media and all sorts of different people around the world who are coming together to discuss um, and to put forward um, ideas about the future of the economy and the environment and all of these things. So uh, Anya and I thought we would talk about that today. Um, it will have just ended by the time this comes out, but it will be nice to just offer our reflections um, about what's been going on there and also just a little bit about what it is um, and why we are talking about it. So I don't know if you want to start or if you want me to start or um, have you been? I think I want you to start. You have more, I think, a, a deeper, uh, broader um, understanding of Davos. Um, it's relatively new to me in terms, I have heard of it over the years. Davos, you know, shows up in the standard media, um, but uh, there usually isn't much discussion um, on our media about what's happening, and I haven't pursued it as much, um, but now, you know, I'm becoming more interested because of sort of the global crypto conversation and regulation, so, um, so I think <laughs> you, it would be fabulous if you could share more about sort of your ideas, thoughts, and knowledge on Davos mm -hmm. and what's going on there and why it's, why it's important for us mm -hmm. to know about it and to start educating ourselves on what's going on. Mm. Are you well, up for that? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, well, so the World Economic Forum, like I said, is this, it's like a non-governmental organization that brings powerful leaders, powerful people from the government, from civil society, um, and businesses together to discuss how we're going to improve uh, the global space, the world. So I've kind of written down here, I'll, I'll say it um, from, their, from their website. Oh yeah. The heads of states, bank governors, campaigners, and a number of um, different economists gather together to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. So What's so important about the World Economic Forum is they have a lot of sway in terms of the kind of the global agenda around 
everything, basically, because the global political economy, the, the, the economy of our world is so powerful to the way that we live our lives, to the environment, to monetary systems, to technology. And so when you get all of these heads of state together and when you get all of these different bankers and different organizations together to talk about what they're going to do, you know that whatever is coming out of that is going to influence all of our lives, um, mm. whether we like it or not. You know, there is this sort of global umbrella and they are making these sort of big decisions. And it's not that those decisions are in any way enforceable, but they have a very strong impact on the future and in terms of regulation um, and in terms of lobbying. Um, so it's really important to kind of be aware of what is being said and what is being discussed, because that is where, you know, businesses are going to orientate themselves, where governments are going to orientate themselves. So for example, this year, there was talk around the metaverse and mm. how, you know, different co corporations and governments may use the metaverse as a space to either, um, you know, use as a digital space that's like a virtual space where we can all um, interact or as a way for companies to kind of use that digital technology in order to manufacture so they can kind of be able to, to, to see things in a different way using that virtual space. So that's a kind of example of something that was discussed. And so we just know that that's what they're thinking about in terms of what's coming. Um, and obviously having all of these bankers there, they're gonna be talking around the issues of 2022 which uh, we know was a lot to do with collapsing crypto firms, was to do with um, a lot of cryptocurrencies falling and some failing, um, and the perhaps lack of regulation around a lot of different crypto assets and the space in general, and the testing and introduction of CBDCs, so central bank digital currencies. And so that's sort of where I was looking when I was listening to um, the, the talks and what was happening at Davos, where they're all coming together to discuss these, these big themes. And it's really important for us, if you're interested in the future of money, interested in the global economy, interested in your crypto assets, interested in Bitcoin, to really have an understanding of what these influential people are thinking. So... What became apparent was that a lot of the different um, banks believed that CBDCs or central bank digital currencies were a good idea and they wanted to do more to collaborate on introducing them. Uh, and the problem with that is that these are digital currencies that are completely managed by the bank uh, with a wallet that is managed by the bank. And then there's a lot of want to integrate our digital identities within that wallet, which just really creates a lot more ability to have our lives controlled. Now, I, what I found really interesting is we hear this talk a lot about these central banks wanting these digital currencies. And what I hadn't heard was also this other kind of debate. And there was, um, I think he was from South Africa. He was a central banker there. And he was actually kind of stating how he was actually worried about CBDCs, even though he was sort of in charge of these, this banking um, mm -hmm. in South Africa. And that was because he said that the relationship between a lot of different central banks is not that good. So you can think about that, like, especially across Africa, like there may not be that much trust 
across the world in terms of central banks and in terms of governance and how they are, you know, how they are um, regulated, like their legal obligations, everything is different. So he was making the point that actually, if you had all of these different countries with these different central bank digital currencies, how they might all kind of interact badly, you know, like they might not be able to accept each other's CBDC. So you would end up having this rather than a collective um, spread mm -hmm. of currency across the world, a global currency, instead you would have all of this fragmented currencies um, that would not be able to pass easily. So you would need a central authority to oversee the, the spreading and passing and exchange of CBDCs. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, you know, who would take on that role? And actually, it's a very difficult role. And, you know, you need to trust that central organization. And suddenly you're centralizing these CBDCs even further, where you could have this collective global organization basically having control over literally the money in everybody's individual wallets. And I thought that was such a an interesting point of view because I hadn't kind of considered it on that level so obviously it just means like makes it even more imperative how important um bitcoin is in terms of right. just being a global currency that everybody can use no matter where you are and then you can just see these banks trying to play catch up by creating their own digital currencies but they're still in the mindset of individualism of centralization of control and so I really like that juxtaposition so um yeah i mean that really highlights once again the beauty of bitcoin and sort of the ease and grace of it i mean you already have that system that international system that you can send anywhere i mean soon you can probably send it to the moon or to mars you know <laughs> but you know and you don't and it's it's peer to peer it's it's not this one entity controlling it all and it, and the sad thing is we can't, we, I mean, we've seen again and again through history, we can't trust those a hundred percent trust those that we put in power. There's just always something that goes wrong. It's, I, I guess it's part of human nature or it's part of that huge social system and somebody being in control at the top. It just, we see it time and again, that it doesn't work. And here we have Bitcoin that's already solving all these concerns that that banker from South Africa brought up. I mean, that's kind of exciting. I'm glad he brought that up. Yeah. And what's really exciting or interesting is like when you're saying about that, then having these centralized figures and like having a single person at the top, how, you know, they grow old and they have their own agendas and, you know, how do you balance a global community within that? What's really interesting is Klaus Schwab, who was the founder of the World Economic Forum, has remained in the position of chairman for 52 years. And he is still- That doesn't sound chairman. healthy to me, the, a healthy organization. <laughs> no, exactly. And so you just made a really amazing point about the actual institution of the World Economic Forum itself in that like relying on this central figure, like it's all up to him and he has no like checks or balances. There's nothing on him to like, to respond in any particular way or to do things in a particular way. You know, he is like an entity of his own. 
And what's ha what happened at this um, in Davos this year was that a lot of employees and previous employees of the World Economic Forum have stood up and pushed back against the fact that there is no line of succession. This isn't a democratic organization in any way. There is no line of succession. He is like surrounded and kind of protected and he's getting mm -hmm. older and he's not always making that much sense or trying to build relationships and they are pushing back against that. So it's really interesting how like even in the this this organization that is talking about global, you know, um, global interaction is that it's centralized and actually it's very much controlled around one person and you know just how um yeah that sits with what we're talking about you know this the centralization around one person to actually what it means to be global in reality um and that you cannot rely on a single person so if he actually is legitimately wanting to support this global um economic space then the fact that he's sitting at the top of that in control shows that that's not really his agenda, that it seems a little bit more egocentric, perhaps. So, mm. You know, a question comes to mind. I mean, I'm just thinking about who all is represented at Davos. I mean, does, does representation from Russia, do you know? I think there are 193 member states. No, I don't think so. And I I doubt that they would have. So it's not that. even like even the name itself, world, you know, it makes it sound global, global interests, but it just sounds like it's, you know, the popular kids that are, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, the whole world revol revolves around them and they yeah. keep the others out that they find distracting or they don't agree with, you know, it just seems it's not even um, truthful, the name. It doesn't represent the truth mm. that we're on planet Earth, this one globe, this world, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that in itself is uh, disconcerting. Yeah, definitely. And like- And so, misrepresenting. Yeah. And it only really represents, I mean, it does try to represent the, you know, different social disparities, but for the majority of people, for attendance, it's thousands of dollars. Right. And, you know, I think there were a hundred planes flying in um, private jets. So you can kind of think about like just the level of abundance and the level of like wealth and, you know, who you're inviting. Yeah. Like to this party to decide and determine mm -hmm. the future of the world. Um, and that is part of a great amount of criticism against the WEF is just this kind of particular agenda that is trying to overtake the world like a neo-colonial um yeah. strategy you know and doing so within the environmental sector doing so within the economic sectors you know and really just trying to inch your way into places by putting it as a as, as a sort of um like an umbrella of like we're helping you you know we're supporting you we care about equality when really like it's just it's how to like bring more people under the umbrella of like their economic system and their political system and I was reading something that in one way if you were looking at it you could be like oh that's really positive and then you think that you flip it and you're like oh I see why they might be doing that so there was this example of a lot of farmers in India are struggling to 
you know find each other uh, like or the buyers and the farmers are struggling to find each other um and as a buyer you have to go like kind of traipsing through fields to find the farmer with the best price and the best products and they there's this new kind of app um I can't remember what it's called it's like farm go or something like that where you can kind of have a list of all of the different prices and so you can kind of purchase things just sort of directly through your phone and this helps to allow those with good quality goods you know there's kind of to go up in in the world to make more money uh it helps buyers they don't have to trace around the fields they can find who they want to buy off straight away and they can purchase things really quickly so it's touted as this wonderful technological innovation to support you know everyone getting in on board with the economy like you know building up their own assets making more money and then this was sort of uh, this was being presented by Mastercard, right? They're kind of backing this whole project, and they said at this they said within it, and you know we can give out. It means that they we can give out loans, which means that they can multiply their production and they can like make even more money. And you're thinking about these small farmers on these small spaces where they probably can't maximize that much, or you know you're trying to to tie them into getting a debt in order to try to expand which just brings them into your debt pocket where you're making money off them because at the moment they're not, you're not making money off them. So like until you can get them into the system where they can then be in debt, now they're a new customer. So yeah. it's like, you know, there's this very dark piece underneath. It's just like, you know, what are the incentives behind this, you know, all of these agendas and you know, how you're going about doing it. Um, so that's some of the criticisms, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and others around like the fact that they, they say, some of the things they say get, um, definitely get picked up on. So they, when COVID came around, they were saying that it was like the great reset, um, which- Oh, the WEF or- yeah as a, yeah the as w, a, yeah 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 so they've made these comments in the past that you're just like so you know there's been all of these ideas about the global kind of political economy wanting to do a great reset so they can basically um bring in their next level of control and for years yeah. decades this has been a belief but it's it's been cast off as being a conspiracy and then when COVID happened wef actually took it on board and said yeah yeah we are interested in the great reset but you know for all of the good ways all of the good reasons and so they took the very thing that had been leveled at them and then like kind of brought it in and then started using it and I guess to try to actually integrate it because it's what they had been planning overall perhaps mm -hmm. um, and they were just using maybe an excuse to do um, to kind of like to bring out this great reset but obviously there's there's a lot of kind of this conspiracy and then there's uh, mainstream who just think it's all a conspiracy but it's just interesting to hear that um and then one of the videos they put out quite a long time ago one of the sentences was you'll own nothing and you will be happy which yeah I've heard <laughs> that. another one yeah. yeah so yeah it's uh it's I mean when I hear about the WEF you know I you typically what you'll see in social media is like a lot of uh, angry people about all these people, you know, they're supposed to be for, uh, you know, 
trying to solve global warming, but then they're all flying in these private jets, each and every one of them, um, you know, and they're going to these fancy places in Switzerland and uh, fancy food. And uh, so there's been a lot of criticism in terms of just how, you know, how much power they have, but how ungrounded they are in humanity's most of humanity's reality you know and it, it just is seems so archaic to me that kind of organization to have all you know it's just again you know you're thinking about these kings coming together these dukes and deciding everyone's fate yeah and we're, so we're somehow still stuck in that yeah um and and especially, I mean, I didn't even think about it, but again, this this one man, this aging man who's been part, you know, it's like this king, king of uh, England and, and aging and just doing crazy things and not having anybody really, or an organization like a, uh, a diverse board that is watching and navigating his his strategies this king you know so it's like almost this old-fashioned story we're back in it and we're seeing it and uh and you know and then along comes bitcoin (laughs) (laughs) and you know what i'm just trying to think of what we could compare bitcoin to like sort of in the past when you had these revolutions against the kings you know swelling from the ground Mm -hmm. up from the people that are not heard, that are struggling and not understood. Um, and here we are again in the 21st century yeah. um, in, in the same situation, but with some potential hope, I think. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I love that comparison and just thinking about it in that way of just... Um... You know, when we say it's the people's money with Bitcoin, it is this mm-hmm. this retaliation against that kind of, um, yeah, centralized hegemonic system where you're just underneath constantly this higher entity that is constantly controlling and dictating how we must live for our own well-being. And yet they are like flying on private jets, have huge wealthy incomes and really you know, what does that look like? And it's the same when we come to the regulations that they're talking about around crypto and around Bitcoin. And it's like the only people that should be making any kind of um, assessment around how to um, control or creating the right structures and systems to create a fair and equitable um, like system of passing cryptocurrencies or building cryptocurrencies or selling cryptocurrencies or whatever that looks like should be the people that use it and believe it and love it, right? So like Bitcoin, but also all of these other currencies that are used for different kind of objectives. Yeah, some of them don't mean much and others mean a lot, but it's like who gets to decide like how we interact with these currencies, how we utilize them, it's like it should be up to the decentralized community themselves to say this is what we need for this system like this is how we need to protect consumers right so you maybe you do need to put yeah. on like this is a really risky asset or have you done due diligence before buying this product or this product could go to zero 
you know, but giving it back to people to make the choice for themselves, knowing full well what they're entering, but to have bankers who don't agree with the system itself, who don't want people to be interacting with a completely decentralized system because they make nothing out of that. Of course, they're not the ones to put controls over how we, you know, utilize the system. And so it's like, it, it is like that kind of that archaic way of those who don't live with it, those who don't recognize the need for it, or those who don't, who don't, you know, who are already free because they're at the top of this pyramid, you know, they're the ones that are dictating how the little people can utilize the technology that they want to use, you know, to save them or whatever it would be. Um, and I think it just stands in such direct contrast to the whole premise of why it is needed and I think that if they were really genuine about wanting to you know regulate this space or to um, put some consumer protections in there then it, it must be a community decision made up of those who are in the community who care about it and who love it and who want it to thrive not those who are outside the system who are outside it who are trying to put the old system on that new system um, yeah I mean that makes no sense no. Unless you want to maintain power, exactly. then all of that, of course, makes sense, that strategy. Exactly. And like how exactly. many, you know, how many people were invited this year, like in terms of like that crypto, the crypto community to like be involved in these conversations, you know, like not that many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the uh, sort of side sessions, sort of the crypto side sessions, because they always have at these conferences, um, you know, any kind of conference has sort of the main speaker, the main place that you, somebody shares information. And then you have all these little side rooms with like the little people sharing their information. And so there was some crypto, you know, side uh, gatherings and sharing of information. Um, and I watched one of them because you can uh, watch some of these live. I mean, you can watch Davos live, I think via their, it was uh, from their website. And uh, there was a, a session where they had invited CZ from Binance. Um, and so he was on there briefly, maybe 15 minutes sharing information. But it was, I was disappointed in the questions they were asking him. There wasn't anything really juicy and deep. And um, I mean, I think we're talking about a lot more important things than they were talking. And here you have CZ who has all this information and understanding of the system. Um, and they were asking him some very basic questions, like where did he want to travel? <laughs> you know? And I think they asked him about the food he liked. Um, and so it wasn't, I mean, he, he did bring up about, I mean, what, what sat, what I think caught my attention from what he responded to, to one of these questions was just sort of the point uh, that the, the energy use of transferring um, money in this system, in this banking heavy sort of non-flexible banking system it takes so much time and energy. I don't think people ever talk about the energy required to transfer all this money all around the world. Um, and whereas you look at crypto and Bitcoin, it, it takes way, 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 way less energy to transfer all that kind of money energy. 
Um, and it's, it's something I hadn't really like thought about um, because there's so much criticism put on um, sort of the energy use in terms of mining Bitcoin versus looking at the systems that exist that take up so much energy are so inefficient, so slow and take up so much of our energy. So that was a, an interesting um, an interesting comment by him. Um, and the rest was about, you know, the food he likes and where he wants to travel. And I didn't hear that. That went in one ear out the other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems like such a wasted opportunity to yeah. have a good conversation with someone who is so influential in, in the crypto space and does know a lot um, about what is going on. Um, although mm -hmm. there is obviously speculation about CZ, you know, and how, you know, well organized is finance and you know after ftx collapse there's definitely going to be scrutiny on everyone else but um yeah. so far he's he's doing okay and you know bringing him in it's it's important to ask these difficult questions because we're asking it to the global banking system people we're asking it to them so we need to be having this conversation with this you know with these people who are representing this huge space yeah. of crypto and bitcoin and you know, this is a rising domain. This is, you know, blockchain technology, uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, the metaverse, like that was spoken to a bit and so is blockchain, but it's like, this is huge. This is the future. This is rising. Like this needs to be given an incredible amount of attention, but to the people that really know what is happening in it. Um, and so it seems like such a a shame that we're not bringing those people in and they're at the forefront of this and you talk to the global bankers and they were the ones who were saying you know a lot of these these different um countries banks were saying that they didn't foresee a recession like six months ago and even the people in crypto were for were predicting a recession you know like if you listened to um preston pish you know like in june he was talking he was calling for a recession at the same time where like all of these different banks were saying no 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 it won't happen and so how can we trust their perceptions and their perspectives right. like when they can't even make an assessment based on their own, what they are experts in, yet we're now asking them to talk about crypto where they don't have any expertise. So, you know, it's it just shows that, yeah, again, that kind of big boys club, this is how we do things. This is what, you know, the kind of the rich and the wealthy do. Um, and yeah, to try to limit the influence of something that basically goes beneath their need um, and their authority. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that organization needs a serious makeover. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a re, yeah, starting from the top and just the whole, how it's organized, where it, where it happens, who's invited, um, and make it a real world economic forum. Mm. Um, and I have an idea. We should have a session. We <laughs> we could have a, a like a panel session next year. Great idea. And really in, and like invite people from the crypto community and really have really good questions and converse and conversation. Yeah. So that's that's what we need to do. Yeah. That's <laughs> the crypto ethic panel. <laughs> that Next is such year. a great idea I think we should definitely do that um and you're right I mean maybe it's not about redesigning the WEF but maybe it's you know maybe it's setting up a new organization or it's like 
it's the yeah. bottom up, you know, bottom up, top down debate. You know, it's like Bitcoin operates from the bottom up. It's like, this is something we can all use. It has this amazing potential. It's bottom up. There's no one overseeing it. Um, but yeah. then there is a certain amount of things that do need to happen from the global perspective or the holistic perspective. But, you know, mm-hmm. users have to be a part of the, the kind of decision making. And just like in Bitcoin, anybody can support the system. So all the users, you know, anyone can have a voice. If you run a node, you can input your voice, your perspective, your vote. And the same, we are all part of this globe. We're all part of this world. Why do we all not get a voice in Mm -hmm. debating what happens in the global sphere? You know, why is it just these particular elites? And so, you know, maybe we do need this top-down organization, but it has to be a reflective organization that like listens to the hearts of the people of the world you know that we all are so yeah exciting yeah it's time to reimagine yes nice I'm and I'm trying to think if there was anything else oh just one last thing and then we will finish um so when the global banking experts they all agreed that there was a need for global crypto regulation um but the governor of the central bank of France Valérie de Gallam probably not saying that right, uh, said that some even say it's not a question of regulating, but it's a question of prohibiting. And I was like, so I guess France is gonna, isn't going to be So adopted. in terms of prohibited, prohibiting crypto or at least Bitcoin um, in terms of it being peer-to-peer and not a top-down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So rather than like regulating and like, you know, a lot of these bankers want KYC. So know your customer or know your consumer um, as well as uh, what was the other one they wanted? Um, anti-money laundering regulation. So whatever that will look like, that's what most of them agreed they wanted. Um, but he was saying, well, some people actually just want it fully prohibited, like fully not usable. You're like, we see you. <laughs> And they're a socialist country, so that's surprising. Um, well, yeah, um, yeah. But you know, if when you have places that are really developing it, especially El Salvador, mm-hmm. you know, and how ingrained it is, it is now Bitcoin in their governance structure, and there's no way you could prohibit Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It just would be then in certain places, and I think um and not others and people would just go there especially the brilliant you know people who have this vision they're all going to be then leaving your countries and going to these places that are forward thinking and really imagining big picture and future and possibility uh instead of staying in a country that's just stagnant and oppressive i mean people don't want that yeah so you're gonna see this movement so i just don't and once that movement starts, I just don't see them having the ability to even make it illegal mm. or prohibit it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, their perspective to want to try to create global rules, like global rules of regulation or global rules of like prohibitation, um, prohibiting is like, you know, that's so sinister as well that they want to have their agendas placed onto all of these different countries. 
but you know like we said earlier on like El Salvador won't have been there and then Russia won't have been there so it's not going to be a globally reached plan but that's like their agenda that's what they would they would aspire to is like how can we have global reach so even if you're from one country and you go to another well you would still be under the captive eye of our system it's just like you can have no freedom and you can't make the choices for yourself you can't take the risks for yourself like we need to protect you by clamping down by restricting and by holding you tight um regardless of the fact that people are losing their homes over loans that they were taken out because they were taken out so cheap and our interest rates are so high that inflation is causing all of our money to be completely devalued you know like all of these systems and all of these taxes and all of these fees from banks they have been taking money from people and the debt that you know, a lot of the developing nations are having to pay off that is far beyond what they ever borrowed. And you're, you know, these are the same people who think they have a good policy for how to protect your money. Oh, <laughs> we're all worked up. <laughs> all righty. Well, did you have anything else to add to Davos? No, I'm I'm just the only thing to add is I'm curious to see what next year's Davos is going to be like. <laughs> if there's any important changes there. So, that's it. And yeah. thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and insights. I didn't have much wisdom, but definitely <laughs> I've been <laughs> thinking about it all quite a lot. So, it was definitely <laughs> fun to share. So, yeah um and next time we will hopefully be giving you providing uh an interview with um someone from the crypto space that we are excited to introduce you to so that'll be on the next the next conversation but thank you everyone for watching this episode and just for uh, continuing to watch all of these videos we really appreciate all of your support and if you are liking these videos, then please, please do like, um, subscribe by hitting the bell button. Actually, subscribe is different. <laughs> and subscribe different. and the bell button. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that you get updates when we're, uh, when we have new um, videos up. Yeah, which come out every Sunday. And it helps our, uh, the algorithm, the YouTube algorithm <laughs> find us. Yay. so that we can share our stories with more and more people so <laughs> yeah and if you know of anyone if anyone who's listening knows of anyone who would like to come and talk to us then please do send us an email um all of the details are in the show notes um but we would love to speak to some more people so if you know of anyone who would want to come on the show then please do let us know yeah all righty thank you anya oh thank you tansy have a lovely week you too ciao Bye.